Hey guys, Surly Talk Sports here, and boy am I fizzed to bring you this week's episode of Sit Downs with Surly. This week's guest is one of the biggest names in New Zealand sport. He's a former World Boxing Organization heavyweight champion who has fought on the world's biggest stage and is still only 28 years old. He has a current record of 27 wins, with 21 by knockout and only two losses, and is currently the number two ranked fighter by the WBO. Not only is he one of the best boxers in the world, he's also an incredibly down-to-earth and humble guy who is proud of his Samoan and Kiwi heritage and loves representing both countries and cultures in the ring. Right, enough from me. Let's rip in. How good. Boxing fans, are you ready? Let's get Joe, thanks yep. for jumping on. Silly Talk Sports, mate. Shout out to Tyler for setting this one up. Really appreciate it and uh, awesome to have you on the show. Good to be on. Thank you. Uh, first of all, you've definitely made the most of isolation with these viral videos that you've been doing, bro. Pretty unreal. Uh, big fan of Anchorman and Step Brothers personally, so was stoked to see them feature. Uh, where'd you get the idea <laughs> from, bro? And um, will you continue to do this after lockdown? Because they must take a bit of time. Yeah, firstly, you know, before the lockdown started, um, I have a good friend, Kerry Russell, and I call him a, call him the magic man because he has the ideas, he does the filming, he does the editing, and he directs me and, and shows me like what to do and how to do it, etc. And so before the lockdown started, um, we just wanted to sort of put something out there, the Love Actually one, to show people, you know, with the lockdown, you can still have fun at home, you know, you can still be positive, and uh a lot of people are finding it hard. A lot of people are finding it not so hard. And we just wanted to spread positive vibes. And from then, you know, seeing the reaction and seeing how, how people took it, we just, we continued to do it. Like we thought, all right, we'll just do this and then back to training videos. Yeah. But uh, since we saw the reaction and, and, and everyone enjoying it and saying, oh, please do more. And then I was like, okay. Um, you know, every time I said to Kerry, you know, have you got an idea? All right. Give me a text to call me if you've got an idea. And then he... Texts me, I've got an idea, he comes the next day, films it, and then he edits it, and we just post it straight away. So it's been pretty good. The reaction's been crazy. I didn't expect it, but um, I'm glad that we can put smiles on faces at this, hard, at this crazy and hard time. For sure, man. And uh, let's go back to the start. So tell us a bit about your upbringing, bro. Obviously, you're a proud Samoan. Were you born and raised in Auckland? And did you play any other sports growing up, or was boxing kind of always your thing? Yeah, boxing, I started at a very young age. I probably, I reckon, uh, if I can remember, three or four years old, my dad would hold up his hand and tell me to punch it. 
and that's where that's where it all began. Um, Samoan, very proud of uh, my Samoan heritage, but also being you know born and raised here in New Zealand. Uh, you know, South Auckland all day. <laughs> yeah, right. um, other sports in school, I played. Uh, I played rugby league. I played rugby. I played volleyball. Uh, I played a bit of everything, really, but oh, boxing always took my attention. I think uh, my dad introducing boxing to me at a young age because it was his passion. I got a passion for it, a love for it, and you know, every time I went to do different sports, boxing always pulled me back uh, to boxing. And and um, you know, at a young age, you know, I started to love it, watching different clips uh, of different fighters: Lennox Lewis, David Tua, Shane Cameron, Marcelino Masoi, so on, and. Um, you know, there was, I remember one time <clears throat> I went to a fight and I, and I sort of got beat up a bit. And my dad said to me, son, I don't want to see you get beat up. Why don't you Why don't you just stop boxing and, and do something else? I said, dad, it's too late. You know, you introduced me. Now I, I love the sport and you're trying to take me out of it. So, and ever since then, like, they've always been supportive parents, always helping me, always, you know, putting me first and putting my life and career first. Uh, 2010 is when you first came onto the scene for myself and many other Kiwis when you represented New Zealand at the Commonwealth Games as a... Fresh 18-year-old, but um, on the 5th of July 2012, you made your professional debut in boxing at the age of 20, uh, picked up a second-round TKO, pretty good start to the career. How did you decide it was time to go pro, and what was that first taste of professional boxing like? Yeah, well, I went to the, uh, like you mentioned, I went to the Commonwealth Games, I was 18 years old, and from there, I traveled the world a lot, you know, different competitions, fighting international fights or international fighters. And I did quite well. I think uh, overall I got three gold medals, two silver, one bronze as an amateur. As an amateur, it was very hard uh, because the reason why it was hard because there wasn't a lot of funding. And I remember my coach used to, you know, paid for one of my flights uh, and, and trips. My parents took out money from their visa card and paid for trips and flights and food and all of that. And um, the reason why I turned pro was because I missed out on the Olympics in 2012. But I knew it was a good time to turn pro because the guys that went to the Olympics I beat them before they went to the Olympics. I beat about three or four guys that went to the Olympics. And the only reason I wasn't able to go was because I didn't, you know, win a qualifying tournament, one of them. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, let's turn, you know, let's turn pro and hopefully we get some good people around us, which Duca came into play. I you know, formed a management team. And uh, from there, you know, it was, you know, as an amateur, the scoring is a lot different to the professional um, fights that we have. And so it was a little bit, it was, you know, it took time to adjust, but I think when I did adjust, um, you know, I was away. But one thing as an amateur, and when I was an amateur and I remember looking at the professionals, I'm like, how did they fight 10 or 12 rounds? I had no idea how they were able to, the yeah. fitness, because I was, I was struggling to fight three, three minute rounds as an amateur, maybe because I wasn't training properly. I was, I wasn't eating, you know, properly, but, and then now, then when I turned professional, I was like, oh, okay. If you train hard and eat clean and sleep well, no, you can go 10 to 12 rounds. <laughs> and then in October 2013, you won the New Zealand Boxing Federation heavyweight title uh, in round two again against Afa Tatupo, winning your first professional belt. Uh, had this NZ title always been a big goal of yours? And uh, what was it like confirming that you were the best heavyweight boxer in New Zealand? Uh, as, a, as a fighter, I think in life you have goals, right? And the goal was represent New Zealand at these tournaments to get as many medals as you can, go to the Olympics. Unfortunately, I didn't make it. But then turning professional, you have goals of being champion of New Zealand and getting a belt, you know, winning regional belts, and then ultimately being, becoming champion of the world or unified champion of the world. Uh, I thought it was a, fight, a tough fight. Um, going into their fight, you know, a lot of people said he had a lot of power, this and that. 
And I sort of listened to them. And so I wanted to stand there and trade, right? And then I, when I stood there and traded with him, I got a, you know, I got cut on the headbutt, um, which was, you know, I had a massive gash uh, on my eyebrow. But um, winning that fight and getting that title, it was a, it was a great feeling. It was, I felt like it was the beginning of, you know, beginning of winning many more titles. And like you mentioned, this was just the first of many belts for you. And over the course of the next few years, you managed to rack up a extremely impressive record of uh, 21 and 0. And then your 22nd pro fight, you came up against Andy Ruiz Jr. at Victor Arena, a huge fight and a massive yeah. event for New Zealand boxing. And uh, you won it by majority decision and in doing so took over the WBO heavyweight title. Uh, how was the lead up to this fight, mate? Uh, not only winning the title, but then doing it on home soil. That must have been pretty special for you. It is always special fighting back home. Um, and I remember that fight clearly because a lot of people, when we made the fight happen, a lot of people said, you know, when they saw Andy Ruiz, like, oh, okay, he's chubby. He doesn't look like he can fight. You know, why are you fighting this bum? Why are you fighting this guy? But I always knew that Andy was a good fighter because of, of, of my experience with him in Vegas. When I first moved to Vegas in 2013 to train, Andy Ruiz, uh, I went into the gym uh, to spar him, you know, and he came into to me. I was watching him spar, and he wasn't doing too good. Like, I think he was just mucking around, and I was like, oh, why, why are you bringing me here to spar this guy? How is he going to help me improve? When I, yeah. I was watching what he was doing, and Kevin said, don't watch him. He's just mucking around. And I thought to myself, he doesn't look like a whatever. So I jumped in the ring, and then the first, the bell went, and he chased me down and put the attack on me straight away for four rounds straight. And I was, I, you know, I was new as a professional. I was taking this beating. And then, I mean, uh, we had about, I don't know, six, six sparring sessions. And each time I went back, I got better and better. So I knew that he was a good fighter. And uh, I knew that he could have, you know, it was a very close fight. You know, a lot of people said that they thought he won. I knew, I, I know inside my heart that I won. And it was a great feeling for me being champion of the world and, you know, doing it here in New Zealand. It was a dream, you know, tick off champion of New Zealand, then tick off champion of the world. And then uh, the next the next step or the next goal was to be unified champion of the world. The lead, yeah. uh, the lead up to that fight, it was probably one of the worst camps I ever had. Really? I went into, oh, bro, like, I've never, I don't know, I don't really talk about it, but I went to Vegas for training. Then I flew to Palm Springs a week later to do the deal for the fight. Flew back to Vegas to train. Then I had, a, um, like, a, a, somebody popped up in New Zealand. I went to fly back for three days. Then I flew back to Vegas again and I had four weeks of camp where I couldn't even complete four rounds of sparring in camp before I came mm -hmm. to New Zealand for the fight. So he, he said he had a bad camp. You know, I didn't have the best camp. Um, so we, we should do it again in the future. Who knows? Yeah, well, now especially he's made a bit of a name. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, you went on to defend the title twice successfully and then you had a record of 24-0 and 0, and you were ranked inside the top three fighters in the world. And then... These wins set up probably the biggest fight in New Zealand boxing history, uh, 31st of March 2018 at a packed Principality Stadium in Cardiff, Wales, fighting Anthony Joshua for three heavyweight titles and a chance to defend yours and unify all the belts. Uh, massive fight. What was the lead up to this fight like, bro? And was it much different from your other camps considering the importance of the fight and how much was on the line for you? Because I know unifying the belts was a big mm -hmm. thing for you. Yeah, unification was a massive thing. I think it's a big thing for any heavyweight fighter or for any fighter in general, any weight yeah. class, whatever it is. Being unified champion is probably a goal for everyone. Uh, the lead up to that fight, I remember I got elbow surgery in uh, 2017, uh, December, November, December. And then I was recovering from that. And uh, 
one thing about that fight that I remember was I went into camp and I did everything I could, you know. I trained hard, slept well, ate clean, and going into that fight, I felt good. Uh, but, you know, on the day, he was a better man on the day. If I could turn back time, I would have pressed the, the action more. I would have threw more punches. And I probably would have went into camp at, um, in better physical condition. I went into camp at 123 you know, kgs, and I cut all the way down to 107, which is you know, stupid on my side because I, sh- I shouldn't be fat. But I have a way to get in shape, you know, um, get lean instead of working on techniques, skills, and working on combinations to attack you know, the, the fight I had in front of me. As you mentioned, unfortunately, after the 12 rounds, you lost by decision, but that was that sport, mate. It all happens. What was that experience like fighting in a packed stadium? And did you feel much pressure or support from back home? Because I remember the whole nation was behind you. It was a massive event. I remember, I mean, there were, the, I know the support from New Zealand and Samoa and this side of the world was amazing. You know, one of that fight, I, I could just sense, and a lot of people flew over for it. I'd like to thank everyone that came there. To, you know, to Wales to watch the fight. Um, walking out in front of 80,000 people, I couldn't hear anyone next to me. You know, imagine being in a ring, someone singing the national anthem, and you can't even hear them sing the anthem. You know, it was that loud. I just remember, you know, he won the fight. Um, what else can I say? I mean, he's a better man on the day. You know, he won that fight. I would love to have a rematch. But uh, the whole experience was uh, incredible. I don't think I actually... Um, appreciated how big it was until after the fight because when you're leading into the fight you're focused on being in shape working hard training there's people around you have to stay focused not it's not until after the fight I stood back and like holy man this is a massive event yeah and uh, less than four months after that fight you were back in the ring again in England against Dillian White unfortunately again things didn't go your way how tough was it for you coming off 24 runs in a row to then suffer two losses and did it take much of a toll on you mentally uh, it, it does play a little bit of um, uh, on the mental side of things because you you know you, you you lose this first fight and you, okay you back yourself to go in and win the next fight but then you lose another one and sort of like okay there you know okay I have to reassess myself I have to what am I doing wrong you start having all these questions and a little bit of doubt and um, I think for me the, the the thing was you know for the Dylan White fight again I went into camp heavy you know I should have learned from the Joshua fight to be in shape and go into camp in shape instead I went in 120 kgs cut down to 108 again for Dylan White and it was a great fight you know he you know went back and forth um, I think the headbutt made a lot of um, you know made a big change within the fight uh, I think I was I was dominating the first two rounds and then after the headbutt I saw it was sort of uh, it's hard to explain but you're in there but you're not really aware of, of uh, certain things uh, but there's listen no excuses he won he is the better man on that day but I'll, I'll school him I'll school him if I had another chance to fight him. And uh, since those two losses, you've bounced back with three convincing wins, two by TKO and one by KO. You've kind of touched on it, but have you changed much in terms of your preparation and training as a result of the defeats? And do you believe you're a better boxer now than you were before? Hell yeah. <laughs> you, learn, you learn from those, uh, not so much, I mean those, uh, the trials that you go through and the mistakes that you make um, before camp and in camp. Um, I think my lifestyle now, I'm, I train every day. I make time to train every day. I'm, I'm doing my best to eat cleaner than I was you know, those previous times. And when I go into camp next, you know, the next time I go into camp, I will be in shape. You know, I won't have to learn. I don't have to work on losing weight. I'm already in shape. I will just have to work on my dance skills, my boxing skills, and uh, you know, just enjoying every moment. 
So I think, uh, and being more mature has helped me, you know, I, I feel like I'm a better fighter now with a better mentality and better, better physically. Yeah. And uh, your last fight wasn't too long ago, only a couple of weeks before the lockdown, really. Uh, and now there are rumours you'll be back in the ring again as soon as August, once a few COVID-19 restrictions have yeah. eased up. Can you tell us anything about this potential fight? And uh, what do you have planned for the rest of 2020? How would you like to see yourself finishing the year? Yeah, before the lockdown, um, I'm pretty, I'm blessed. I'm blessed and fortunate that I had a fight at the beginning of the year. And then when the lockdown happened, um, before the lockdown happened, I was planning on fighting another this year. You know, that's, I wanted to have, you know, three fights with good. Yeah. Uh, with the lockdown now, there's talks, you know, and there's uh, things happening behind the scenes where our team is trying to see if they can have an event here in New Zealand and look for the most credible opponent they can find on this side of the world. Um, I would love to fight someone in the top five or top ten in the world. But I'm not sure if you can, you know, the borders will allow them to fly in. You know, I, I, we just don't know. So if we can make a fight happen here with the most credible opponent, it'll be awesome. I'll leave it up to the team. But in the meantime, I'll just stay focused and train and do videos and have fun and uh, stay prepared. That's the way. A few general questions now. Uh, what does the day of the life and uh, fight camp look like for you? And uh, how often do you train, that kind of thing? What time do you get up? And is it pretty flat out all day or do you get some downtime? So camp, like we're going to camp, it'll be eight to 10 weeks. It'll be, you're training two or three times a day, six days a week. Uh, and I'll take uh, exa- I'll take Monday, for example. I'll wake up in the morning around five o'clock or 5.30. Um, go for a three-mile run, five-mile run. I think that's about five or eight Ks. Yeah. I'll have breakfast, porridge, yogurt, fruits, uh, and then I'll, I'll have a nap. Then I'll wake up uh, midday. I'll go to the gym and do two hours of strength. And that's like, um, you know, squats, well, I mean, explosive work. You, you just name a lot of strength work. And then I have lunch and rest. And lunch will be, you know, uh, very healthy chicken, car. I mean, um, the carbs, there's pasta, whatever it is that, that Tanya makes for us. And then nap, nap again. And then wake up in the evening, go to the gym and do an hour and a half or two hours of boxing. Punching the bag, pads, skipping, speedball. Uh, double end ball, everything. Abs, a lot of abs. I do same. I do so many abs, and yet my abs don't show a lot. So <laughs> I think I think I need to do more. <laughs> and then uh, after that will be dinner and rest, and then we do that again uh, the next day. And it's very very repetitive, but I think it needs to be like that for you to for things to be you know stuck in your mind. And uh, you've had quite a range of walkout songs for your fights. How do you pick what song to walk out to? Is it just what you're feeling or do you have a set kind of genre? I think it's what you're feeling. Uh, the most popular one that I've used was uh, a song called Can't Be Touched by Roy Jones Jr. But then uh, a few times I've mixed it up and I've used uh, a few songs by B-Kid, uh, very talented up-and-coming sort of artist. Um, but other than that, just whatever you feel, you know, whatever you feel. And uh, I think I used Phil Collins once, I think, for that. You know, for that moment, I think that song was very suitable. Um, so it just depends, you know. Whatever is giving you that feeling of, like, yeah, I want to go and, you know, feel good, I want to smash them. As someone who's never boxed in their life, what's that feeling like when you step in the ring? What's going through your mind? And can you hear what your coaches in your corner are saying? Or is it all kind of white noise and you're just tunnel vision? Uh, when, you, when you step in the ring, um, you know, your whole team, everyone that's been with you and everyone that's been helping you, there's no one left, just you. There's just you and the guy and the ref, uh, the guy in front of you. So I think for me, when I'm in the ring, it's like you can hear people. I can hear certain voices. Uh, I can hear you know, Kevin. I can hear my brother. Um, and when you're in there, it's just like, okay, I mean, it's, 
I, f- I find that it's a time for me to enjoy. The training camp is the hard part. The training camp is where you're like, damn, my body is so sore. Damn, I need a rest. Why am I doing this? <laughs> but then when you're in the ring, it's like, okay, you know, I have a bit of fun because you're working so hard to be in there to enjoy yourself, have fun, and to relax. And uh, you have a record of 27 and 2 now, 21 wins by knockout. So it's fair to say you got a pretty lethal punch on you. Uh, do you know as soon as you throw and connect that your punch is going to drop out, drop your opponent, or does it surprise even you sometimes? Sometimes it surprises me. There's a few fights where I've, I've gone to throw punches and it lands, and then I'm like, holy damn. Like, you know, the guys on the ground, you're like, oh, Wow, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> and there's sometimes and there's sometimes we do plan the punch and it lands and then it takes them out. So I think uh the the, the best way to go into a fight is just don't look for a knockout because when you go looking for one, usually it doesn't come. You just have to let things flow, um, throw your punches and if it lands in in the right place, you know, it's it's lights out. And uh, on the other side of things, is there a particular opponent who's caught you with a big shot? And how hard is it to reset yourself and get back on the game plan after you've just taken a big punch? I remember two, uh, you know, there was two. One was Nascimento. Um, I was in Germany. I was fighting and he caught me in the ear and it sort of busted my eardrum. And I, I felt like the balance, I was off balance. So it was quite, uh, you know, it was, it was quite hard to sort of find your balance and come back. And uh, I was grateful that I was able to come back and beat him. And then another guy that caught me really good was Andy Ruiz. Like, I remember his one was, was uh, you know, caught me and then it was like a sting. Like, boom. Like, oh, wow. And then, but, you know, when you when you get hit in the ring, you don't show it. Because when you show it, they'll attack you even more and even harder. And uh, after a fight, do you get much time to celebrate, enjoy your win and recover? Or is it pretty much straight back to the gym pretty quick? And how long does it take for your body to recover from a big fight? Yeah, after, after a big fight... Um, you know, we usually we have time with the team, relax, you know, have a mean feed, talk, you know, and just chill out with everyone and just uh you sort of uh you just deal with everyone because you just want to appreciate everyone's time and everyone's effort to get you into this uh you know, to this place and helping you win. And so there's a there is a time where we just you know sit down and have a big feed. Uh training wise, uh you know, in the past I haven't I've taken ages to come back to training, you know, after a fight, three, four, five weeks of just relaxing, having fun. <laughs> But nowadays, I mean, the last fight, as soon as I fought, uh, we flew back to see my family, kids, my partner. And then as soon as I got back, I think one day's rest and I started training again. Yeah, wow. And um, a few quick fire ones to finish off and then I'll let you go because I know you're a bit short on time. So firstly, what is the favorite fight of your career you've had so far? <sighs> my favorite fight would be um, Andy Ruiz because that's a, it was a challenging fight leading into it. Uh, I said to you before the camp and all that. And then uh, being able to win on home soil and uh, be champion of the world. And uh, if you could fight any boxer, I guess from any weight weight class as well, past or present, who would you most like to fight and why? Uh, who would I like to fight? Probably uh, Muhammad Ali because they say that he is the greatest. And uh, I love challenges. So <laughs> I want to challenge myself against who they, they say is the greatest ever. Um, biggest character in boxing who's the one guy that stands out for you you're just always amazed at, at what they get up to Tyson Fury I think because of his story because of everything that he's gone through and uh, I think if you look closely at the story it's an amazing story yeah. you know uh, being you know working your way to be champion of the world then having your downfalls and having trials and, and hard times in life and everyone kicking you down and everyone saying you're out and then coming back from that and becoming champion of the world again that is uh, it's pretty incredible. 
and he's you know he's turned his life around and he's he's not just a good boxer he's he's a fun guy to be around we have we have a lot of fun when we catch up in vegas and uh you know he's a character you know the things that he says how he you know press conferences weigh-ins how he dresses it's uh I don't think I could ever be like that, but you know, he just—it's oh, awesome today. You know, the day like that. And he's featured in a few of your videos as well, so you guys are obviously pretty close. How did you guys meet? Was it after you fought uh, his brother, or? No, nah, back in the day, we always used to uh, show respect. Like he, I think it was like Periscope days on Twitter. You know, he'll jump on and we'll jump on and, and sort of you know supporting you. And then when we do a live chat, he'll jump on and say he's supporting us. Hope we're well. And then I met him for the first time when I fought his cousin Huey Fury in Manchester. Oh, and ever since then, we've had we've had a great relationship. And he, he's always uh, shown me love and respect, and I appreciate that because you know he's probably one of the best fighters in our era, one of the best heavyweights. So it's cool that we uh, that I could just text him and say, "Hey, can you be in my music video?" <laughs> and he's like, "All right, I'll send it to you tomorrow." That's crazy. And uh, your favorite sport outside of boxing, bro? My favorite sport outside of boxing would be uh, I loved volleyball and I love rugby. And uh, if you could play for any other professional sports team from any sport, who would you pick? If I could play for any team? Yeah, any other professional sports team. Oh, I don't know, probably, probably All Blacks or you know, the Warriors, just so I can help them. Yeah, good call, good call. Uh, I, I love, I love, I love all of them. I love they're awesome. Like all they're representing um, the All Blacks and the Warriors, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind having a you know having a go one day. But listen, I'm I will just stick to boxing for now. Fair enough. And uh, if you were on death row, what would your final meal be? Death row, I'll I'll have raw seafood and taro. I love seafood, raw, raw fish, oysters, kinners, power, you name it. I'll have that. If I was a death row, I'll be like, give me as much seafood as you can. Sounds like a feast, man. And uh, three people, dead or alive, you'd most like to go to dinner with? Um, I would say, I would say, uh, it would be my mom's parents, my dad's, my dad's mom, because they and my uncle. I you know you said three, but four of them. Um, because they are the ones who really supported me and, um, you know, I would have loved to see them, or see, you know, for them to see where I'm at now. Because, you, know, you know, they were very supportive. And uh, you've just won the belt. It's day three of celebrating and you're starting to hit a bit of a wall. You're feeling a bit low. Uh, you get one phone call to phone a friend and they can join you in the celebrations and help keep you going through the day. Uh, who would you call? Uh, Tyson Fury. Yeah, he'd be a good Yo, brother, one. Hey, I'll- I'm on the third day of, and can you please come and help me? He'll be like, where are you, Joe? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's epic. And uh, three New Zealanders, they can be sportsmen or anyone that you'd most like to have a beer with. Oh, I'll take away TT. Yeah. Stephen Adams. And who else is here? John Key. That's all I've got, mate. Uh, thanks heaps for jumping on. Been awesome to find out more about you and talk about your unreal career. Wishing you all the best for 2020 and hope to see you back in the ring with a few more knockout wins, hopefully as soon as August. Thanks for having me on, Ben. Appreciate your time. Uh, good to chat. And uh, who knows, maybe when I become champion of the world again, we can jump on and have another chat. I'd love that, man. That's awesome. Thanks, bro. Thank you, brother. Hey, keep in touch, eh? Will Be do, safe. Man. Take care.